So what we're doing is we are talking, we, we are taking five weeks to cover um, the most controversial subjects going on right now in the world, okay? And uh, what's, what's cool about it is uh, I didn't pick them. We asked the church, we asked all of you to pick the topics that I would talk about. Okay, so last week we talked about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. We talked about the biblical stance uh, on all of those things. If you missed it, you can, go back to, uh, you can go back to the website or to Facebook or to YouTube, and you can find us, and you can watch that message. You can learn uh, kind of what we talked about. But this, i just make a couple statements real quick. If you don't go back and you haven't seen it, it, it's that Jesus himself is very clear that what God has put together, marriage, that no one is supposed to separate it. As believers, we are supposed to give every single effort we can that we— that, everything that we can to try to make our marriage work, okay? But the other thing that Jesus says in the same verse is that he has grace for people who don't make it, okay? He, he, God has grace and for forgiveness for every sin there is, right? Like, he, he, like for everything that happens in our lives that we know might not line up with God's word, he forgives us. He loves us enough to see value in us, to, to have us live a life of value even after we've made uh, what, what we might consider mistakes. If we have a repentant heart and we lean into God, he's got grace for us. Amen? Okay. So, uh, so that includes divorce. Um, I in no way give permission for it, but I am saying that God loves you no matter what. Right? So... Um, today, though, we are going to go in a completely different direction. And so uh, I don't change my message series because the return and reflect are coming back. They get what they get, and they can't throw a fit. That's what I tell my kids. And so, so we love you, and we're happy you're here. But today we are going to talk about the most requested topic, which is obeying the government and mandatory vaccines. Because you asked for it. Thanks. My goodness. So, we're going to talk about it today. But before we do, we need to, we're, in just a minute, we're going to pray. But I want to just say something before we do. I want to pray this week as well for our country. And, uh, and you should be praying for the country on your own all the time. We don't do that every single Sunday here in church. But you should be praying for, the, for our leaders and for God's will and plan to happen in this nation. Okay? Now, we don't know what God's will and plan is for this nation overall, okay? But we do know that if we trust God and if we do every effort that we can to help his kingdom come and his will to be done, that it'll play out the way God wants it to, amen? Okay, but we do need to be praying for these people and praying that God's plan happens, okay? And in last week, uh, I was going to do it last week, but we prayed over the pandemic and people who are suffering. Um, I just got a text right before service that our worship director, Carrie's dad, opened his eyes for the first time in five days today. today. So, so she's still down there. Yeah. So she's still down there with him. And, uh, and, but we, we're believing for a miracle right now. And so, so I believe that, that it can happen. So we prayed for that last week, and, you know, it was the anniversary of 9-11. And so I just thought this would be a good, good chance for us as a church family to pray over our country and to open up prayer for the service. So let's bow our heads, and I'm going to pray. Father, thank you so much for every person here. I thank you uh, that, that we have this opportunity to gather. I thank you for these men and women who had these close encounters with you this weekend, God, that I pray truly do transform every fiber of their being for the rest of their lives. God, um, I pray over this service. I pray over the message. I pray that we will have ears that want to receive today. Even though sometimes uh, there, are, there are subjects we have to talk about that are tough, God, I pray that we will have receptive ears to hear your voice, not mine. 
God, you filter me right out of this thing so that it's all that, all that you need to be said today, and that's it. And Lord, I pray over our country. I pray over our leaders. God, this nation uh, is filled with a lot of believers, a lot of people who want to see your kingdom, uh, your kingdom plan happen here. So God, we trust you in every situation. We surrender to you. But God, we also want to be used by you. So God, give us influence. Give us the opportunity to let people know about Jesus so that all will know the name of Jesus. And so Father, I pray over our president, Biden. I pray that the, the, whether he knows it or not, that you're working in him his life, that you're working uh, in the people that are surrounding him, and that, again, whether they know it or not, they are giving him godly advice. God, just open some doors for communication in his heart and in the leadership's heart of this country to really be moving in your direction. God, we surrender all of this to you, and in the end, we trust you no matter what happens. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Okay. So I want to start off by talking about the topic of obedience to the government. And you know, there are a couple verses in the Bible that are very hard line. You obey because God put those people in place no matter what you obey, okay? And this, this has been a very controversial uh, couple verses and time in our world right now because there are churches through the shutdown who wanted to open back up or this or that and stuff like that. And, and these scriptures were used and it has divided and destroyed entire churches. It, is in, it has destroyed people's faith. It, there are so many things that happen. That's not going to happen today, okay? Amen. Listen, we're a family and we should be able to work through some issues together and still be a family, okay? And so this is what we're going to do today. I don't think it's going to be that hard of a thing to talk about. But we are going to read the, those scriptures, and we're going to, we're going to look at uh, everything about them and what they really say to, to you and me today, okay? So the way that we do this is we, we really look at what the Bible says about a topic, and then towards the end of the or second half of the message, we will kind of turn it into, okay, so now how do we as Christians, as believers, live in a world that's not a believing world? Okay, and, and how do we apply these things to our lives? So we're going to look at this scripture to start right out. It's the best way to go. So we're going to start in Romans 13. Romans is written by Paul. Okay, you've heard that name before. Uh, and so you need to know that. Okay, Romans 13, we'll start in verse 1. It says this. It says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. That's just the first verse. Every verse here is long and wordy and has a lot to say. Verse 2, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Verse 3, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. Verse 4, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Everybody say conscience. conscience. Okay, remember that word. 
This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Period. Seems pretty clear, right? First service, I had a guy in the second row going. <laughs> it's like, well, that is what it says. <laughs> it is what it says. My goodness. Well, so... Um, there's another one written by Peter, Peter and Paul, right? First Peter 2.13, it says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor, the king. Yay. I was so happy to read those verses as I was writing this message, right? And, uh, yeah, I feel like I say this a lot, though. Like, whenever we read scripture, we have to understand the context of that scripture. Why was it said to those people at that time? And if we don't understand that, then we don't understand what we're reading. Okay? And so we read that, and if we take that just at, at its face value, it's very easy for people to say, well, you just need to follow the government no matter what they are. Every, govern, every governor, every, every leader, every king, every whatever, they, they've been put there by God. So then how do you explain Hitler? Because I can tell you right now that the things Hitler did were not of God. And nobody can argue with me about that. Right? And so if, if, that, if we just take that at face value, then we actually believe that God put Hitler in that place and that everybody should have just submitted themselves to his executions. But that's not right. I can't be right. We have to look at the context. Why did God, why did God inspire them to write that at that time? And, and we have to look at why it was written for those people. There's another issue that we'll cover today, right now. It's the one about women being in ministry. Okay? There's scripture in Corinthians that say women are not allowed to speak. They're not allowed to do ministry. They're not allowed to do all of that stuff. And so when we look at the context of what was happening in Corinth at that time, you will find that in the government of that city, there was a woman who was elected as an official. And she went in, and one woman, not all women, ladies. <laughs> okay, I'm not making a broad statement. I'm talking about a person, an individual, who then was deceived and was being used by the devil to take people away from the church and infiltrating the church with other ladies. And, and those ladies were railroading past the authority and the leaders of the church, and they were speaking to people things that were not of God. And so the letter is written to the church in Corinthians to say, in your case, right now is what's going on. Do not allow a lady to talk because we don't know who is deceived and who's not deceived. And if you're like, no, no, that's what it says. Women can't speak. Then what, then what happened with Jesus and the woman at the well? When she went into the city and she spoke to all those people and brought them to Jesus. What about Mary? What about Martha? What about these people who did incredible things for God and we all have learned and grown because of it? Some of the greatest messages I've ever heard in my life were taught by women and you cannot tell me that the Holy Spirit wasn't speaking through them. Women can be used by God 
the same as any man in this room. So you've got another context. That's why that was written. Okay? Same with this. So let me give you the context. All right. So Paul wrote the book of Romans between the years of 54 A.D. and 57 A.D. And, and you need to know the history of what was happening in, at that time. So through the, up until through the 40s to, to 49, there was an emperor uh, or, a, or a Caesar, whatever you want to call him, a king named Claudius. And he was a persecutor of the Jewish Christians. Not all Christians, Jewish Christians. Okay, so what he did is he wiped the whole empire uh, clean of Jews. He, he exiled them all out, and if they wouldn't leave, they, they executed them all. Okay, so, so the Jewish uh, Christians, they were run out. They were run out. And so... Uh, in 19, or not 19, in 1949, in 49, <laughs> just a little bit before that, in 49, Claudius' wife murdered him. She did that because she wanted her son to become the emperor, the, the Caesar. And so his name, you might know it, was Nero. Okay, now people know Nero as like the worst persecutor of Christians uh, of all of the emperors, of all of those people. Okay, and, uh, but, but that was not how he started his reign. So in 50, he became the, the, uh, the emperor or whatever you want to call it. And he started out by saying, we want everybody to come back. We're pro-faith. We're pro-Christians. We want the Jewish people to come back. So they did. They started coming back to their homes, coming back to their churches, coming back to all these places. And so here they are. The, th the problem is, is they hate the government because the, go the previous government drove them out. So they refused to pay taxes. They refused to honor uh, the, the emperor. They, re they refused all these things. And it was creating a problem. If you read the verses right before this, Paul writes about how we're supposed to love other people and treat other people with honor so that people will be connected to Jesus and see Jesus in us. So this is a continuation of that statement by saying, and by the way, hey, you Jewish believers that are in the church right now, you're not honoring God. And, and the way that you can show people that you're willing to honor God is by honoring this emperor who at the time was pro-Christian. So it makes sense that Paul would write this, right? I mean, does that make sense? I mean, if we had somebody come into office that we knew, we knew from everything he said and everything he did was a Christian, we'd support him, right? We saw this happen with Donald Trump to an extent. Okay? We even, at times, I'm not I'm trying to be political. I didn't say this in the other services, but I feel like I'm going to now. Um, we even looked past some things because of our thoughts of the fact that he was pro-Christian, pro-Christ. And whether he was or, or wasn't it isn't for us to discuss today. He's not the president now, okay? So it's understandable that Paul would, with the information he had about Nero and about what he was going to be and who, who he said he was going to be and actually allowing Jews back in and letting churches to meet, that, that he would write something that would say, hey, honor this guy. This is God's guy right now. He's, he's bringing back the church, Okay? Guess when 1 Peter was written? The same time. To the exact same church. Okay? So Peter and Paul knew each other. Peter and Paul were the guys, you know, that went out and started really the mission, started the church, went to all these cities, all that stuff. So they had both Paul and Peter write letters to them saying, hey, this guy looks like he's God's guy. You need to honor him. That's the context. But not every governmental leader fits that same situation. 
So th- I'm not trying to discredit this. It's still, it's all credit, but we have to know the historical context, right? It, it brings full understanding. Okay, so context is key. So let's say, though, it's okay. If you don't agree with me, I'm not upset. Don't be mad at me. Just go study it for yourself, okay? And you, it's up to you to, to hold on to the, the truths you feel from the word. I'm just doing my best because you asked for it. <laughs> and so, okay, <laughs> don't kill the messenger. But if you still feel like we need to obey the government, you know, no matter what, let's look at some other places in the Bible. You remember these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Oh, he's doing it. Oh, What? Yeah, well, if you don't know the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are exiles from Jerusalem, okay? And they've been taken to Babylon where King Nebuchadnezzar is king. Everybody say Nebuchadnezzar just because it's fun to say. Just fun to say. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And so anyway, um, it had, he, they ended up being servants in his courts, okay? And so word had gotten to him that some of his servants were not actually worshiping him. Back then in Babylon, the king was like a god. And so what he did is he made a statue and he put it out, out the word to all of the people that when the music would play in the city that everybody had to turn and bow to this statue. And so this all plays out and Shadrach, in the music plays, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are there and do they bow? No, they don't. They don't bow. The punishment, by the way, if you don't obey the government is that you're thrown in the fiery furnace where you're going to burn to death, okay? So they disobeyed the government. But what did God do? He saved them, right? He, he actually, he honored them. He saved them. What? But they went against the government. And we just read a scripture that says you go against the government, you bring judgment on yourself, not freedom, not honor. Okay, let's look at another place in history. You know this guy named David? Okay, so David is not yet king. Saul is still king, and Saul is chasing David, trying to murder him. The reason why is because God has anointed David to be the next king, and Saul doesn't want that to be the case. Saul has sons, and the way that kings work is that when the king dies, his son becomes, becomes the king, and it's his legacy. Saul doesn't want to see David become the king, right? So he's chasing him, and he's trying to get him. And they end up in these caves in a place called En Gedi. Someday, when we can go back to Israel, I'd love to take you to those caves and go and stand in there. We can be right in the place where this all played out. Um, so, uh, so anyway, there's an instance where David had a chance to kill Saul, to dishonor the governmental leader, okay, by, by killing him. That's pretty big dishonor. Uh, but, but anyway, I want to read it to you. I want to read what happened. So in 1 Samuel 24, in verse 3, it says... He, Saul, came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. So he's vulnerable, right? (laughs) He went in there. David and his men, though, were far back in the cave. The men said to David, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Now listen to this. Afterward... David was conscience stricken. I had you repeat a word earlier. Do you remember that? Conscience? Okay. Remember it again. For having cut off the corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. And with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. You know what happened next? 
David walked out of the cave and surrendered to the man who wanted to kill him. By the way, in both cases, the king wanted to kill them. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Saul wanted to kill David. So David comes out. He shows him the corner of the robe that he cut off. And he says, I was wrong. And he kneels down. Basically, so Saul can kill him. And in that moment, God speaks to Saul's heart. And Saul says, no, you are rightfully the king. And so God honors David for honoring the government. Okay, so in, why in one case is, is the person honored or the three guys honored because they disobeyed? And then in another case, God honors them because they obeyed those people. It, it's, be, it's a good question, right? It's because the ultimate authority that you should obey is God. Yeah. It is God. I'm going to say it again. The ultimate authority that you should obey is God, not anybody else, not anything else. It should be God. Remember, we sang the song, you reign above it all, you reign above it all. We sang it like a thousand times today. <laughs> but do we actually believe it? And do we actually live it? I know we live in a, in a world we can feel and touch and see, and that God we can't always feel and touch and see, though I believe we feel and touch and see God a lot in our lives if we're really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But but the fact of the matter is, is that, that he should reign above it all, right? So let me just break it down. In the case of the three men, the king asked them to bow down to an idol. And the Bible says, God said himself, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image of any image and, and bow down to it. So if they would have bowed down to that idol, they would have been putting something above God. And in David's case, he would have been putting his own desire to be king above God's order and authority. I love that he says, it says that he was conscience stricken. You know what we call that today? The Holy Spirit. We say that God's speaking to our heart about something and so we're going to do or not do something. And what's amazing is that David, he listens to the Holy Spirit over the voices of the men speaking to him about killing Saul. And by the way, these were men who had gone to battle with him. These were the guys who were fighting to protect him from Saul. These are the guys who think they're giving him good advice, but he's not looking for good advice. He's looking for God's advice. So what advice are you looking for in life? Good advice or God's advice? So when we look at the issue of do we obey something the government says or not? What we really should be doing is we should be putting it through the filter of what would honor God the most. If we would just have that mindset, what would honor God the most? What should I do to, to honor God? If that's the, the focus of, of our life, then we will live differently we will love differently. If we just think what will honor God the most, we will, we will obey differently. <laughs> and all of those things, right? So this brings me to vaccines. What a controversy, huh? <laughs> what a controversy. So let me bring this to you in hopefully an understandable and actually very simple way. Because this thing has caused division within church families. This desire for us to tell other people what they should or should not do with their bodies has got to stop. It's got to stop. 
And it's probably honestly worse in church than it is in the world, and that's sickening. It, it's, it's a problem. Okay. So one of the names of Jesus is the Prince of what? Prince of Peace, right? Why is Jesus the Prince of Peace? Why is that something? Um, you know, when we talk about what Jesus' ultimate, ultimate mission here on earth is, was, when he was here on earth, um, it, was, it, was to, it was salvation, right? It wasn't so that our whole life would be like rainbows and lollipops from now on. It was, it was so that we could know in our heart that no matter what happened in this world, no matter what struggle we're in, no matter what dark valley we, we walk through, that at the end of this life, we get to be with him in paradise. Amen? And that should bring you peace. That, how do you think the Christians in Afghanistan right now can stand up and when they say, who's a Christ follower here, they just go, I am. Because they're not thinking about right now. They're thinking about being in heaven. Paul says to die is gain. And it's awful. It's awful. I wanna, since I mentioned that right now, I, I want to mention um, that they still believe there's about 10,000 Christians underground in, in Afghanistan living there. We do have an opportunity, and, and I'll explain it to you, to help smuggle these Christians out. Right now, there's a man who we can't name his name, his name in, who's, who's using buses to bribe his way out of Afghanistan with buses full of Christians. In the last couple of weeks, they've gotten over 400 Christians out of there. And they have to bribe the, these checkpoints. They have to like pay these guys money to get, get them out. And, uh, and so right now, the average price that they have per person that they're getting out is about $170 a person. Okay, so um, they, at our conference that we just got done with this week, um, they said if you want to give and you want to sow into this, really this ministry, this saving of these people, um, you can give, and, uh, and that money will go directly to them, 100% of it right now, and they'll be able to continue getting people in and out. It's all a money thing. They said that, the, the, that these, even the Taliban people, they will let people out for money. They, they're all, it's all about money. Um, and so, so anyway, if you want to give above and beyond your tithe today, um, you just grab another envelope, or, or you can go online and put it in the memo and just say, you know, for the Afghanistan um, relief, or, or anything like that that would make us know what it is, we'll send that money right away and get it, get it to there to them. Um, but what I'm, what I'm talking about as far as our message is how do people stand up and say, yeah, I'm a believer, and, and confidently stand before their executioner? It's, it's because they have this perfect peace from the Lord. What salvation should produce in you and me is a peace that, that you know, exceeds all understanding, Right? It's a peace that in bad circumstances, we, can, we trust God no matter what, right? So with that in mind, let me ask this question. How many people do we have here that are parents in the place today? All right, so here's the question. Are you SUV people or minivan people? What? SUV. SUV, come on. SUV, minivan? Both? Somebody said both. You're, you're some weird hybrid person. I mean, I'm an SUV guy. I'm like, come on. They're big. They're more manly. They can tow a trailer. Huh, you know, 
I can, I can off-road in them. I can put all my kids in it and all their crap in it, and we can go places. I don't need a, you don't need a car top carrier or thing like that. And, uh, and when it's snowing out and the roads are bad, I feel confident with them. You know, I just, I'm strongly convicted that my family would be safer in an SUV. So we buy used and still ridiculously expensive SUVs, right? But it brings me peace to know my family's in a car like that, and it'll keep me safe. Now, my sister and her husband, they are minivan people, like, to the core. Every time we talk about cars, they're like, are you kidding me? Like, you need a minivan. They're the greatest thing. I was like, they're terrible on the roads. No, they're not. Put snow tires on them. It's like, well, you've got to modify it to make it good. It's not good. And so... We're, you know, they're like, well, we can buy a brand new van for the price you just paid for one with a SUV with 100,000 miles on it. I was like, yes, you can, but my car is cool. And so we go back and forth on this. And, uh, but it brings them peace to know that they got a brand new car. It shouldn't have issues, and they can fit all of their kids in it, low miles, all this stuff. So here's the question I have is, um, does this conversation have any bearing on whether or not we go to heaven? Neither does the vaccine. What are you wasting your time with? You're wasting your time. It is a waste of time. And all you are doing is dividing yourself from other believers who you should be unified with. It is not rocket science. And I know, I know people have their reasons. You know, but what produces more peace in your life? What would produce more peace in your life? Listen, it, if you feel as though getting the vaccine is going to produce peace for you, make you feel better, then go get the vaccine. Don't take that off the video and just that piece, okay? <laughs> like, because at the same time, if you feel convicted right here, like David was, when everybody else was telling him that he needed to go kill Saul, but you feel the Holy Spirit saying no about the vaccine, that's okay. Don't get it. And it's not your place to tell somebody else what they should do. It's God's. It is God's. What brings you more, more peace? And I know, I know, I know. There's all these different reasons why people say you should or you shouldn't get it and all this stuff. And then people want to talk science about how the vaccine is made. You don't want to argue with me. I have my degree in biology. I was going to be a science teacher. And you don't have your degree in biology. We're not having this conversation. <laughs> I know how it was made. It's not, it's not worth causing division in the family of God over something that is an earthly thing. It's not eternal. Listen, when the three boys stood up when King Nebuchadnezzar said, bow down, that was a heavenly issue. That was an eternal issue. If they bow down, they're saying, I'm worshiping this thing above God. But whether you drive an SUV or minivan is an earthly issue. It doesn't matter. And, and whether you want to get this vaccine or not doesn't matter. But this is what I will say. As your brother in Christ, if you say you want to get it, I'll stand by you and support your, your decision. And as your brother in Christ, if you say, I absolutely do not want it, I will stand by, by you and I will stand for your decision. Because that's, that's what we should be doing. That's what we should be doing. And I know, I know you go, well, that's your opinion. No, it's not. We're going to read a scripture right now. Your vaccines are in the Bible? No, they're not. No, <laughs> vaccines are not in the Bible. They're not, okay? But there is a scripture that speaks directly to this. Let me read it to you, because and, and, I don't want you to take my word for it. And if you feel completely opposite of me, that's okay. 
I love you anyway. But don't buy a minivan. <laughs> Romans 14. <laughs> this is what Paul writes. By the way, it's the next chapter, right after he talks about the government stuff. I didn't realize that was going to line up like that. It's so cool when it does. Verse 12. So then, each of us will give account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Verse 14, I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. <laughs> like, that's in the Bible. Verse 15, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone uh, for whom Christ died. In other words, don't push things on people. Stop. Verse 16, therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Because the way you will live will be appealing to people. Verse 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Okay, so people, what the vaccine debate has done is, 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 is divided people. It has separated people. It has driven people who loved one another away from each other. Okay, and, and when we argue about these earthly things, that's all it does is cause division. Each of you is allowed to have conviction from the Holy Spirit in your heart one way or another. You are entitled to that because God does speak to you as an individual. Okay, you, you're allowed to have that. And to make a choice following it faithfully. Okay. So in the time of that scripture that I just read, the issue was food and drink. Because the Jewish tradition said that, uh, that there were certain foods and things you couldn't eat or it, was, it would go against God. But Paul, by the way, who was a Pharisee, so a leader of the Jewish people, who was, by the way, set free by Jesus Christ says, I'm convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, in Jesus, freedom in Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. So he's saying, like, like that, isn't it interesting that the Food and Drug Administration was involved then and now? <laughs> I had to do that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, you could take that. You can steal that. Feel free. Feel free. It's Romans 14, 12. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I just don't think it's worth it for us to divide ourselves over something that has nothing to do with eternity. And so let's, let's quit this. Let's stand alongside each other. Let's believe in healing. Let's believe in the healer. And, and let's, let's live our lives and love each other. Because what the world right now needs to see, needs to see people who love each other. Oh, I, I almost forgot to do this. A couple other cards that came in. Is the vaccine the mark of the beast? No, it is not. Period. Listen, guys, I do not for a minute believe that Christians are going to be duped into giving up God. I mean, very respected, huge theologian pastors got the vaccine right away. 
you can't tell me those people were duped into getting the mark of the beast and are now condemned to hell forever. But do I think it could be a precursor to seeing how people will respond to mandates like that? Sure. Absolutely. We are in a world that is moving towards the end times, which God laid out. And we're all freaked out that it's going to happen. But then when things actually do happen, we're like, ah, but like, wait, he told us about it. So to answer that, are we in the end times? Well, every time somebody has a birthday and they come up to me, I say, happy birthday. You're one day closer to dead. And my wife, my wife loves that one on her birthday morning. <laughs> every day, we're one day closer to the end times. But if we were right in the middle of it and I was like, oh, yeah, this is happening and that's happening and all that, what's that going to change with your everyday life? Maybe it would give you an urgency to get out and love people the way Jesus told you to love people so more people would know about Jesus. So why don't we just have that urgency now? Just get that urgency now. And not worry about whether it's the end times or not. Because the Prince of Peace has got our back. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. So in the end, Let's stick to the eternal issues. Let's not spend as much time focused on the earthly ones. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for everybody here. Thank you that there are scriptures in the Bible that helped me out this week. <laughs> Lord. God, I just pray for surrender. I pray for people, I pray for all of us that we would be willing to surrender our our opinions, our thoughts, the things that we get hung up on, and really focus on putting you in the lordship position of our life, trusting you beyond anything. God, I pray that we would be a people of honor and that when it comes to earthly things and stuff like that, that we would be people of honor and we would honor those in, in, in authority. But God, when it comes to godly things, I pray we would be a people that would honor you and you alone, wholeheartedly. God, I pray for health over everybody who's here and everybody who hears this. Whether they choose a vaccine or not, God, I pray for your healing power to be working in their lives, for your protection. God, that you, that you are the one who, who really ultimately holds us in the palm of your hand. So God, we surrender to you. We trust you. We have faith in you above all these other things. And God, I pray for peace in people's hearts. That making you, Lord, keeping you in that position and trusting you above everything else will bring peace to our hearts no matter what we face because we may face some scary things in the future of our, of our current lives. With everybody's eyes closed, if you're here and you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Um, every week we give you this opportunity. And, and so what do I mean by that? Well, we talked about people like David feeling the Spirit of God telling them to do one thing or another. You know, God wants to speak to you too. That's one way that He leads us. But God, God has a destiny and a plan in mind for you, a purpose. And the thing is, you can't live it until you give Jesus that Lord position of your life, until you surrender to Him and say, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And so if you're here and you want to start moving towards the destiny that God has for you, it's simple. Believe that Jesus really is the Lord of your life and then declare it. Not just in, we're going to pray a prayer and you're going to say it, but not just in this prayer, but in the things you do outside of here. Make him the source for your life. Make him 
the lens you look through every day and the reason why you live and talk and breathe. So if you're here and you want to make that decision for Jesus today with everybody's eyes closed, just lift your hand up. Is there anybody that knows they want to accept Jesus as their Lord today? Okay. I see your hands. I see your hands. See those hands. If you're watching online, it doesn't matter if you're in this room or if you're at home. God is with you. And he hears, your, he hears your voice and he sees your heart. It doesn't matter that I saw your hands in here today. It matters that God knows you and that he's got a great destiny for you. So today we're going to pray a prayer. And if you raise your hand, you're making a declaration of faith that Jesus is Lord of your life. But it takes the steps after to really see life happen and life change. So I would encourage you to surround yourself with people who are going to push you in God's direction and to come talk to, to a pastor and they'll talk about that after. But if you've made that decision, come talk to us. Okay, let's pray together. We're just, as a family, going to pray this prayer. And, uh, and you're going you're gonna to make Jesus Lord of your life. Say this with me. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross, defeated the grave, and rose again so that I could be saved. I was a sinner. And I've needed forgiveness. Today I repent of anything I need to. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. I don't want to live my way anymore. I want to live your way. So lead me into the life you created for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. If this message touched you in any way and you'd like to talk to someone at the church, you can reach us online at rlcbr.org. Search for us on Facebook. And if you're in the Big Rapids area, visit us on Sunday morning at our location in Big Rapids or the church right across the street from Menards.